This is still Hope This Helps, a big tech podcast. And we're back. We're here for a regular show number 32, back from Thanksgiving break, celebrating no podcast November. We have things today. And, of course, again, we are still here. Today, our categories include a boot-up, project management rants, when a problem comes along, you 7-zip it, and the question of the week, and possibly other topics, too, if they come up at random. My name is Steve. And I'm Tiffany, and I also have several concerns of your introduction there. A big tech podcast. Really? A big tech podcast. I'm thinking like a slightly medium podcast. To be fair, when I say big tech podcast, I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. N- no, no, that's a that's a big word for such a medium podcast. I read it. I read that somewhere, and I thought it was cool. So I'm that shallow. I just like buzzwords. So I just said big tech podcast. That's fair. Uh, today is. I almost said December first. It is not December first. That was yesterday. It was December first recently. It is not now. No, it is now December, and it still feels like March weather-wise yeah. in New England. Don't worry. April will come soon. It'll just. We <laughs> it will, will get... still feel like March. We will get April in the form of a pointy needle in our arms, possibly two, eventually. Yeah, eventually. That's that's quite interesting, very intriguing that uh, that's all sort of coming to fruition, but it still doesn't quite feel like there's an end in sight. Yeah, so until then, we just have to deal with keeping on with podcasting, I guess. We'd still podcast mm-hmm. after that, of course, but... I don't know. Yeah. I was trying to come up with something better to put there. I'm kind of hoping that I become undead. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. We don't know what the long-term effects will be. That is true. And I have like a random obsession with world domination today. So I want to be undead and world dominate. Undead world dominance is definitely one way to uh, die your way to the top. Yeah. I've been reading way too much uh, fantasy lore I should probably stick to tech. You can do tech fantasy lore. I'm sure that exists as well. Well, then you would end up with only yams. Oh, we'll get we'll get to only yams. Oh, we're going to talk about only we yams. We can't not talk about only yams. Yeah, speaking but of fan- fantasy tech, that'll be later in the show. Yes. You'll have to listen to the whole podcast. You'll have to 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 drudge through our terrible dad jokes and puns. Oh yeah, we'll get hear about only yams. We will get to the climax of the show, and a uh, spoiler alert: it'll be known as only yams. <laughs> so good! It's one of our yes. best ideas to date. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if you are a new listener, welcome to the podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you and welcome back to Hope This Helps. And now we can boot up. Although I think we've kind of already booted up. I don't know why we call this section the boot up. We should come no. up with a better name for this. Well, I guess. It's been the boot up since the beginning. Yeah. And Or we could keep it the same. Uh yeah. I mean I kinda like it. I, I miss the times when you used to do the boot up sound though. Oh You just oh, all right. Okay. All right, so I tried to bring it back. Yeah, yeah, no, we're going to ignore that for now. Um, Fair enough. So, how are you, Steve? How are you today? How are you in general? How's life? 
I'm I'm life. I am I'm I'm still here. <laughs> like the cereal, like like life cereal, like you are life. Life cereal. My- His tagline is, "Yeah, it's here." Are you, are you Mikey? <laughs> you remember Mikey from is that was that the kid's name? I think it was Mikey. I don't remember life cereal ever having any iconography of any kind i just remember a big red box that said life and is kind of descriptive of actual life or was that kicks like i don't know i remember kicks with like just the kid and like some kind of okayish looking cornflakes in a bowl of milk i don't know i think i think of more i think of more coked out uh cereal commercials of the 90s like cookie crisp or like i don't know lucky charms and stuff Oh, the Lucky Charms commercials were so creepy. Okay, um, Mikey was from Life Serial. Like, Mikey was the kid. But it also makes me wonder, like, if I actually know the timeline of when I grew up because it was a 70s commercial and I wasn't born until 1988. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, there were were commercials still kind of cycling around from various decades back then. I really swear they had, like, a blonde kid in the 90s. And it was like, Mikey, what do you like today? And it was like, oh, I like my life cereal. And I could really be making that up, but I, mean, I don't think possible. I am. Could have been like, I like Mike. Well, that was a that was like a political slogan in the eighties, I think. No, no, no. Mikey was, Mikey was the life he was real. Yeah. Uh, mm. Okay. Then maybe I just don't I just don't know. But <laughs> You might you might just not know. You don't you clearly don't know about cereals. I don't know a lot of things, especially cereals. That's, I don't know anything not, about cereals. That's not true. You do know a lot of things, just not about cereal. I know about certain things, just not other things. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. All right. With this. So we're going to just ramble about nothing for a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> yes. Giving up um, control. Yeah, let's talk about giving up control. This sounds uh, quite intriguing. Yeah, I, I I I worded this very carefully to mm, mean, to, to make it sound like it means something entirely different, but the actual topic we're going to talk about may be disappointing to some and exciting for others, depending on Well, considering that the first line in this is this is seriously going to destroy me. I'm like a very nice title. Yeah. In a undetermined future version of Windows, and it's kind of been happening. You may have noticed that the control panel has been getting shoved to the background and various options have been disappearing and reappearing in the Windows 10 settings app for better or for worse. Like everything? Like everything. And sometimes it comes back, is removed from the control panel, and it's back in the settings app and it's missing half its options and there's nothing you can do about it. (sighs) This is the direction that we are heading in Windows 10. It's not a full one-to-one transfer. Things will get lost in translation. So on that note, before I forget, I now remembered my rant Oh. from earlier. And it has to do with Microsoft and Outlook and then removing, mo- removing stuff from the GUI or from the functionality of Outlook. So we'll go back to this one, but I just wanted to uh, interrupt very rudely. Oh, sure. I shall add this right below. Anyway, so, okay, well, we'll continue on with this, and then we'll go right over to that. So, yeah, so Control Panel is kind of going away. It is apparently based on C++, and it is copy, quote-unquote, copy pasta code, mostly dating back to Windows 95 slash 98. Anytime they want to make an update or change it, they have to open the old repository and reverse engineer the entire thing because very few devs that worked on that code originally are still on the coding teams today. 
So they clearly want to get out of the system because apparently it's just a nightmare to get into and make changes to. But what bugs me is the thing they are replacing it with isn't really nearly as good and it's missing a whole bunch of options. And when you need the granular options, such as, you know, really specific sound input and output options and device properties and little unique things like that, you have to get kicked into the legacy control panel or a legacy control panel window to get to these settings. And they haven't come into the settings app. And this is what bothers me. I don't want this stuff to go away. And I really hope Microsoft is thinking about that. On the topic, today, when I was setting up my microphone in Windows 10, I gave up and switched to my Mac because I could not resolve a crackling issue because the sound settings are so limited. Um, and I just honestly didn't want to keep playing around with it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to plug this right into my Mac. And you know what? No crackling right off the bat. So I was like, thanks, Windows 10. Thanks. Yep. And I can attest to this as well, because in order to get a specific microphone mute feature, which is a legacy control panel feature, I need to like do a dance through the settings app to open up the legacy microphone properties. Because if I do it through the other menu option, which I'm forgetting how I get to now, it will actually mute my Bluetooth headset in the process for some reason. So I have to kind of wiggle my way through the menu to this specific avenue. Otherwise, it will some for some reason mute my headset, which means I can't hear you, Tiff, for when we're doing this. So that's not the greatest setup. No. But, like, but that kind of, you know, that just submits more to the case that the new uh, method of messing with the options is really frustrating. But not to worry, there are a couple of alternatives. There's a GitHub repository that someone is developing for an alternate UWP control panel that is sort of a quote-unquote redo of the settings app, which try to, tries to include the missing settings. Although, ironically, after I've tried and used it, it is actually missing a fair amount of settings itself. So that's just frustrating. And then the other option, which has existed since the Windows 7 days, is the little God Mode shortcut. I kind of poo-pooed it for the longest time because I kind of thought it was just redundant with, you know, the control panel. But now that the actual control panel is going away, I'm taking another look at this thing. And I'm like, okay, now I think you're useful. Now I think we'll keep you around. Oh, that and administrative tools. If we're getting rid of control panel, how do we get to administrative tools? You know, yeah. That's kind of another big question. Right. That's so frustrating. Administrative tools is a big part of the sysadmin toolkit. If you get rid of control panel and that, where do those go? Then what? Are, what do you? You might as well just have an iPad. Yeah, just make my Windows server more like an iPad, please, because I don't need to use it as a server or anything. Ugh. Anyways, yeah. So that's uh, that's giving up control. That's less of a news item and more of a warning and alternate yeah. ways of getting to se settings if they spontaneously disappear in some undetermined future version of Windows. Uh, yeah. Yes. So now like that you're done with your Windows 10 rant, I'm going to rant about um, Outlook for Mac. The new Outlook for Mac experience is beautiful and it looks a lot like the OA version. However, it is still missing so many features. It is in public preview and it, it's a switch that you, anyone can turn on and off. However, you can't add a shared mailbox. And oh God, I partially really? and I partially feel like Microsoft is purposely leaving that out so people move away from shared mailboxes. However, 
the world is not, this feels like what Microsoft was trying to do to us with public folders. And I feel betrayed. Yeah, this again. Like, why can't they just do the full shared? Why can't they add the same features that are in the Windows version of Outlook to Outlook for Mac already, especially in shared mailbox stuff? Because that's already a point of contention where we've lost it on the iOS side of things. You know, that that's a feature that's coming someday, I guess. But to regress on the Mac side, that's also a place of concern. Right. No. And there's other features that are missing too, like opening shared calendars. And there is a Microsoft blog article that does state that those features are coming, but that was several months ago. And those features are still not available. And so it's like, oh, if I want to open a shared calendar, it's, it doesn't work or it's impossible. It's like, what, what is the point of this then? Yeah, that's garbage. That's not great. Microsoft's don't take stuff away. Keep it in there. Especially shared mailboxes. That's such a big part of a lot of orgs. I feel, especially lately in my org, I've just been making a lot of shared mailboxes. It's just oh, what people I, like to use. They're they're comfortable. They're like an old sweater. They just feel good. It's just the thing that people like to make. They or do. Use. They love them. They love them. They love to abuse them. It's like a bad relationship. That's what shared mailboxes are. And Microsoft <laughs> is trying to get us out of our codependent relationships with shared mailboxes, but we're just not ready for it yet. They just they want you to start dating Teams and SharePoint online and weird other new and different options, but you're just like, no, I just I like what I like. Don't make me change. Right. I'm comfortable and I'm happy and it works. I'm I get it. Shared mailboxes are clunky. And they are pretty awful, but they work. They just work. Right. And especially if you, you know, make them the right way, make them an actual shared mailbox, not like a user mailbox that's shared, like an actual shared mailbox where the account is disabled. The access is only handled by delegation. So there's no brute force password cracking of the mailbox directly. And as long as that's all done, you know, I don't see much of a reason to replace it, especially if it's just something that people are actively using productively. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right, excuse me. I took my glasses off because they were digging into my head. So I can't, can't actually read. I can't actually read the agenda now. <laughs> oh, sure. I will, I, will, I will read the agenda. So next on the list is um, Ask Woody is Changing Hands. Wait, what? It is a passing of the torch. To, Who is it going to? It is going to someone you and I have both heard of and we would definitely <gasps> approve of. It is going to Susan Bradley. I had a feeling it was Susan Bradley. She's going to take yes. such good care of it. And maybe I'm a newbie, but I actually didn't even realize that Ask Woody wasn't run by Susan Bradley by this point. I guess I didn't realize that Ask Woody meant that the guy who ran the site's name was Woody, but I'm, I'm a little slow. I'm sorry. But I don't know if the site's name will change to Ask Susan, or maybe it'll just be Ask Woody in spirit. But yeah, Woody Leonard is retiring, according to his post. But yeah, Susan Bradley will pick up the reins from Woody. Susan's been doing a wonderful job in the patch management mailing list. She's been on the front lines, kind of being the the sole defender of and representative of kind of sounding the alarm to Microsoft when updates go sideways or wrong or Things are not jiving with the community the way Microsoft wants it to jive. And she does these wonderful patch surveys every year for both consumer and enterprise to keep a finger on the pulse of the community and 
determine if patch reliability and confidence is high among us in both, again, consumer and enterprise. And yeah, that's that's what else can I say? She's wonderful. I couldn't imagine anyone better to take the reins than Susan for the Asquity ecosystem, which is kind of one of the first lines of defense for sysadmin patching information, mm-hmm. um, other than like the zero day initiative or r slash sysadmins patch Tuesday mega threads or yes. various other blog posts from Krebs on security or um, uh, there's another one I'm blanking on what it is, but yeah, Ask Woody is usually one of the first places to go. Definitely a very good po- uh, podcast. Wow. I can't think anymore. Wow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Susan definitely deserves it. She has some of the best patch management articles out there and she's very well known. Um, and Steve, that was very heartfelt. I actually like, felt your emotion there. That was... Oh, awesome. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting better at this whole emotions thing. I, yeah. I, it's kind of hard to show them in IT, but every once in a while I have my moments. I'm I'm impressed. Like we're both growing here in very tremendous ways. Um, we're getting better. Yeah. So what is next? Because I can only make out the word Microsoft. Oh, okay. I'll be the eyes. Microsoft okay. says no more SMS-based two-factor <gasps> authentication. This is so exciting. This is so, so exciting because for years and years now, some of the biggest concerns from security professionals has been SMS is garbage. Uh, It's so not secure. I mean, you might as well just write your password on a sticky note and leave it at your desk. This topic has actually been tracking since about 2016 because in 2016, NIST declared SMS-based two-factor authentication to be insecure and obsolete. I applaud Microsoft for finally coming in and stating, no more of this junk. We need to get rid of SMS-based 2FA everywhere. But my question is, what took so long? Because, again, this was from back in 2016. Quote, due to the risk that SMS messages may be intercepted or redirected, implementers of new systems should carefully consider alternate authenticators. If the out-of-band verification is to be made, using an SMS message on a public mobile telephone network, the verifier shall verify that the pre-registered telephone number being used is actually associated with a mobile network and not a VoIP or other software-based service. It then sends the SMS message to the pre-registered telephone number. Changing the pre-registered telephone number shall not be possible without the two-factor authentication at the time of the change. OOB using SMS is deprecated and may no longer be allowed in future releases of this guidance. That was back in 2016 from NIST. This should have been a thing a long time ago, but a lot of um, applications and services and websites do offer multi-factor authentication via authenticator apps and um, stuff like Authy, and that really should be the way to go. Um, If you can't use an app, usually email is kind of semi-okay. There's a couple holes in that theory, I'd say, that where that could get intercepted or maybe that could be redirected. But SMS, absolutely not. SIM swapping is just too common and too easy these days. It's one of the major vectors of identity theft and information theft. Absolutely. Um, for example, today I got a text message for a Home Depot, like for a shipping notification from Home Depot. And I was just like, 
I didn't go to, I didn't buy anything from Home Depot. So now I'm like trying to investigate and see where the shipping notification came from because that's how unreliable SMS is. Cause I'm just like, oh, maybe like it just accidentally got sent to me. And now I'm like also panicking that I have a credit card compromise somewhere. And I'm just like, right. no. Um, and that's like the scary part about SMS is the, just like how it, insecure it is like it just takes one bad actor to get your phone number and utilize it for those types of things because for all I know is that I mean someone has my device stuff I don't I don't I don't think so but it's possible anything's possible in COVID days right and sim swapping is a very common tactic um there was an episode of I think it was reply all I, I swear I said this in an earlier episode. I hope this helps. And I think I made the same mistake trying to go from memory. But there's an episode called The Snapchat Thief. And it discusses how someone lost one of their accounts, their Snapchat account, which contained a lot of personal information due to SIM swapping. I think they did catch the person who did it and they were somehow able to get it back. But this was done via SIM swapping. It's a very common thing that mobile carriers don't really... They either don't have a defense for, or they can't do it fast enough, or they don't care. Any one of those is not great. So the the overall uh, fix for this is to stop using the vehicle that can be vulnerable to this method of attack, and that is to stop using SMS-based two-factor authentication. And Microsoft says the time has come for them to finally get on the bandwagon and stop using it and use authenticator apps or some other... Uh, thingy right there are times that google has an authenticator app um i've used the one login authenticator app so there are options out there so you don't have to use sms yes you can even have physical yubi keys i know back mm -hmm. in the day we had the rsa tokens which was the physical like keychains which which had changing six digit ids mm -hmm. that you had to use um, I've heard of things called UV keys as well. So you can even have physical uh, MFA tokens as well. If yeah. you do not trust a digital version such as Authy or Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator. Yes. Uh, the thing about UV keys, though, is that if you do utilize any technology that is locked down with DLP software, you're going to, going to run into issues with them. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So I just had a recent issue with, uh, we were going to outfit our customer service representatives with YubiKeys, but because they're so locked down, they don't have cell phone. They don't have, they're not able to use like phones and stuff on the floor. So we can't use authenticator with them, but we also wanted to get them YubiKeys, but they can't use YubiKeys. So we had to get a different key. So it became like this whole thing. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. So, so there are like different scenarios that do like, so in this instance, like SMS wouldn't have worked anyways, but also keys also would not work. Yeah. But at least that wasn't, that was kind of for a different reason though. It wasn't like they could get oh, stolen. Yeah, yeah. It was more for yeah. a te technicality, which right. maybe that could be resolved. You know, you never know. Oh no, I lied. It, we ended up getting keys, but like the process of getting them is complex because not there's a lot of options, but then because of COVID, they're hard to get. So that's fair. Yeah, hardware is strangely difficult to get because everyone wants it, or production is low, or shipping times are bad, or you name the problem. It's probably a thing right now. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, thanks a lot. No. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, so that's the that's the MFA story, which is it's a story, quote unquote, but at the same time, it's kind of nearly been a five year all points bulletin that I think other folks are just kind of slowly coming on to, which, you know, I wish like banks would kind of get on that a little more because I feel like every bank, their MFA system is like some wildly outdated, like, oh yeah, it's your phone number. And I'm like, I don't want my bank account to use my phone number as MFA ever. Right. No, I don't, I don't want that. That should be the strongest form of login security. There should be like three factor authentication if you ask me for that. Oh, for banking? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, like if um, take Coinbase, for example, uh, when you log into Coinbase, if you're logging in from a device that hasn't been authorized in the past 30 days, you have to sign in with your username and password. And then you get an alert saying, we don't recognize your device. Please check your email to confirm this device. And when you click that link in your email, you are then offered the ability to enter your MFA key. And that's like, you know, multiple zigzagging methods of ensuring that you really are you and you're not getting busted into and i think that should be that should be the next step for ultra ultra sensitive secure systems that are like monetary or i don't know could launch nukes things like that i'd rather i'd I'd sleep better at night if we had more of that in the world oh yeah i absolutely agree yeah anyway so that's that's mfa and sms and stop using sms for mfa anyways so next thing there's a there's a site called Microsoft Portals and it basically contains links to all the Microsoft Portals that you may or may not know about or care to know about and instead of bookmarking all of these links individually why not just bookmark msportals.xyz and then you can just use that to springboard yourself into whatever strange Microsoft Portal that they have or whatever URL they've changed it to this week, or whatever new portal they've added. For example, I never actually knew there was a dedicated separate Azure AD portal available. I thought you had to just go to the full fat Azure portal to get to that, but there's actually a different one. It's the AAD portal. Wait, wait, there's an AAD portal? Yeah, so you know the standard Azure portal is portal.azure.com. But if you go to aad.portal.azure.com, that takes you straight to the Azure Active Directory module of the portal. It's the same thing, but it just takes you, shortcuts you right to it. And it's just, it's just nice because it's like most of the time, at least for my purposes, when I go into Azure, I'm just using the identity management portion of it, which is Azure AD. And lo and behold, they have a separate portal for that. I'll be at the same options, but it's just nice That's to click that. so exciting. Yeah. And um, what I do then is if you're using Firefox container tabs, it's a pain to set every one of these individual URLs to open in a specific container for Microsoft, especially for a privileged account. But what you do is instead set msportals.xyz to open in that privileged container instead. And then you can just click one of the links inside the site and you'll, it will open those links in the same container tab in Firefox. Shut the front door. Shut. Yeah. I just I just went to it, and this this is I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but I really am. This is incredible. I was gonna say, Tim. <laughs> I think you of all people would love this because you kind of live actually more in Office 365 than I do. So I think this would probably yeah. be helpful. No, this is my life. 
I just have this um, this page bookmarked in my bookmarks toolbar now. So it's just like a one click away. Wow, this is great. I'm going to bookmark this. I really wish that everyone could see like my expression as I found this page. <laughs> because as it opened i think um this page came about from a thread i found on the sysadmin subreddit and i remember when this happened they had changed once again the urls around for the exchange admin center and the security and compliance admin centers they moved the message trace components out of security and compliance and back into the exchange admin center which was kind of where it was like 5 or 6 years ago back when it was still the e discovery uh, thing and now it's back in its quote-unquote original spot instead of security and compliance. And I think they're also working on rolling out a new Exchange Admin Center anyway, which I believe has a new URL, hence the need for this site, because I am getting too old for this, and I'm tired of URLs changing. Actually, as an example, the old Exchange Admin Center was outlook.office.com ECP. The new Exchange Admin Center URL is admin.exchange.microsoft.com and I just don't care what the URL is now. I'd rather just go to a site that tells me what it is. This is this is why for so long that I just go to portal. Um, why can't I even remember? Portal. Because, <laughs> this because Officer 65 one. I don't even remember. I'm, I totally have shut my brain off for, for the day. Portal dot whatever Office 365 is. Right. And... I just kind of like navigate. Yeah, I just kind of navigate. Yeah. You know, I'm just happy someone finally realized enough was enough. And it's like, let's just have a site that just shows us where all the portals are. I would love if Microsoft, you know, did this. But, you know, one step at a time. Might as well have this hosted somewhere else where Microsoft can't F it up. Yeah. Nope, they will. And they'll change the link again and they'll ruin ruin our lives. Oh, can we talk about... uh, dangling domains is it dangling domains yes let's talk about the dangling okay. domains okay. while we order think- a sub from <laughs> dangalos and <laughs> we, we configure our Dinus. yeah let's talk about dangling domains this is so funny to me that dangling domains i don't even think this is a microsoft term it's just dangling domains is so funny to me yeah, i so- that was an Azure thing wasn't it yeah no it was an Azure notification that's like hey you have some dangling domains and yeah, that that's really all I have on it. I just think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- that's I'm really all find- I have. <laughs> don't I remember, don't worry um, about it. I was trying to find that article that you sent me, but it's funny when you search it on DuckDuckGo. The first result is dangling DNS is no laughing matter. <laughs> so you know, we're not the only ones who kind of thought <laughs> the word dangling always seems a bit comical to me. However, apply it to the word of the DNS. Yeah. So we're not... I can't even take this seriously. I can't. I just can't. Dangling dangling Dinus. Dangling Dinus domains. <laughs> dangling Dinus domains. That's alliteration. It is. It's also um a double entendre. Is that the is that the term? Yeah, where that is that's has double meaning. Yes. 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 But I'm more fascinated with the alliteration. It's a euphemism. A euphemism. A euphemism, yes. Um, and if we call DNS DNS, it is technically an acronym instead of an initialism, which normally it is if you just say DNS. But if we say DNS, it becomes an acronym. Did we just become a grammar podcast? I think we just did. Yeah. 
we just sounded really smart for like two seconds. We're this IT is... people with a little bit of English. Sometimes. Yeah, my, my English is only okay after a glass of wine, apparently. Mine comes and goes. Right now, it's in a fairly good spot. We'll find. We'll see if it sticks in about sixty seconds or so. But we'll see. Listen to the Hope This Helps podcast where we talk about English, English, and sometimes IT and portals. Yes. yes. So yeah, that was our. That was the segment. Oh no, sorry. We're talking about Dennis now. Sorry. We're talking about Ignor- Dennis. Ignore me. Um. Yeah. No. Dangling the, ca- domains, the cake is a um, lie, Steve. Yeah. The cake is a lie. Uh, that's actually Did, Half-Life, which is kind of portal-related. Anyways, um, well we then. Anything, did we have anything else to say about dangling domains? N- no. No. N- n- no. No. We just got... <laughs> it was kind of tech-related. I, um, I think this top this topic is starting to dangle. So project yeah. management. <laughs> oh. Not a dangling topic. N- not, not a, a euphemistic topic. No, boring just, to some people. Just good old, just good old initialistic PMO. It is good. Let's do it. So PMO. Um, so. Do you like PMO? I like PMO. I like organizations with PMO. I do too. Yeah. Where do Are we you down with PMO? I'm I'm down with PMO when it's you know consistently adhered to and um, you can bring some order to the chaos in your organization and i think it's important to say that it's like don't be afraid of failure in pmo because failed projects will beget less less failed projects because part of the whole pmo process is lessons learned towards the end as well which will help your organization be it maybe a small one medium-sized one or eventually a large one depending on its life cycle when you have a pmo and a coherent system of record and documentation with these, you have an entire workflow that can gradually improve through continuous improvement, blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the, the thought, I, the immediate thought I had. I know we wanted to just kind of quickly yeah. scribble stuff down about PMO and just talk about it with no real direction, but that was one thing I wanted to lead in with. Well, I really like where you're headed with failure. So one of the biggest things that I see or I have seen is that in smaller organizations, there's this, this desire to just push things through because that is what made them successful. And there's this difficulty with transitioning into a larger organization And a lot of it comes down with this fear of failure and this idea that planning and organizing will will slow you down. And ultimately, one of the things that is hard to convey and get an organization that has individuals who have been there and seen it through and through and seen the growth is that they're afraid that they're going to lose one, the culture and two, they're going to slow down process. uh, They're going to slow down the progress. And one of the things with PMO is really being able to promote it and sell it in a way that makes people comfortable. And one of the things that I personally struggle with is putting people at ease when you're like, here's a process documentation and you have to fill out a project charter. And that really makes people anxious because they, one, you're disrupting their routine and their ideas of how things work. And now you're creating this idea of like, you're slowing things down. But when the volume changes and you go from having one project a week to having 15, you know, 
four or five more departments than you had last year, your IT department and other various organizations can't handle the influx of requests. And I think being able to explain that in a digestible way is the important part. It all comes down to the communication aspect. Right. And it's, yeah, and you you said one, one important thing there about culture. And it was, um, if you're a fledgling new place and, you know, you're moving very seat to your pants and you may have had a workflow at a certain size and maturity, that's great. But imagine yourself maybe three to five years down the road where, you know, you're a lot bigger, things are moving faster, and your headcount is increasing. What worked back then may not necessarily work going ahead. And you might need to look into some formalized methods that are a little bit less you know, cutesy, startup-y stuff and maybe more like, okay, maybe we should be a real organization and put on the big organization pants and have some process to it, especially when you get more business units and they're asking for things and you have one business unit that's the big shot of the whole place, it's the moneymaker, and they want to buy product X. Well, we've got business unit Y, which also needs a product and they're also requesting this. And if you have no process and they're just buying these things, suddenly it becomes the XKCD comic of there are 15 competing standards. You have all these products that are similar to each other. They're not compatible with each other. And they may clash with one another. But you can leverage this with a central office, the PMO. You can do things like approve it at the business level, come up with a project charter, you can get stakeholders from all the different resources of the company or the org or whatever, and it just kind of leads to a more centralized, unified, linked communication system. Yeah, it might you, you might think that it might adjust your culture a bit, but it's really going to help you in the long run and bring order to the chaos because not every org is a small quickly moving fast, like move fast and break things, eat Doritos and drink Mountain Dew in the dorm room, Facebook style org forever. If you get big and successful, you got to kind of move with the times. I know it sounds really bureaucratic and boring and lame, but yeah, it's time will tell when you find out, oh crap, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself. Right. I had a train of thought and then I lost it. Yeah, that's that's kind but, of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> the the biggest thing too is having the ability to communicate it to the entire team and not scare them away. And the transitioning period is really hard for people when you're going from a large, I mean a small org to a larger org and you're you're having that transitional of not having a PMO and then having one. But one of the things that I've seen is that people are really afraid of the term PMO of the acronym PMO. It's it's very scary to people. Like to them it just like feels like culture change. Right. It sounds like the big wigs are moving in and you're like saying party's over, you gotta wear pants to the office. You know, it's like you're you're thinking like it's like Atari in the seventies when they changed right. hands over to to Warner communications. And if done wrong, certainly that can be the case. But you know, you can't just have it be the party animal scene forever. No. What's a what's a counter example of that? <laughs> Apple, I guess. Apple in the 80s. The facts are hazy. Maybe the exact story is hazy. But one could say <laughs> when Steve Jobs was running Apple the first time, it uh, you know, it was great for a while, but it was kind of kind of eventually run into the ground until 
some order came about. And Steve Jobs was saying, you know, oh, the culture is going to change with John Scully. I hired the wrong guy and blah, blah. And, you know, he was eventually, uh, Jobs was ousted. And they continued on a bit more of a standard company fashion for a while. And that worked for a while. And then the 90s, they had some trouble. And that's kind of more of a different topic for a different time. But it's kind of one of the, you know, um, to come back to my original point is like, you can't just be a partying org forever. Cause yes, you will. There is a, there is a, like an exponential growth factor of this, but it kind of has a peak sort of like Moore's law right now. We're at that peak and, um, you gotta be careful. Once you get to that point, you gotta make an, make a pivot an adjustment. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's my, my idea of how, how and when that should come about for PMO stuffs yeah no i absolutely agree um that was a really good ending to that section that was that was very inspirational steve yeah very inspirational i I, I do that sometimes you do do that yeah so project management don't fear it it's good it'll help you solve problems and um it's just a natural part of life it's like when you have to go to work instead of sitting at home and eating doritos all day it just is part of life pmo yes Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So what is next? Because I still don't have glasses on. Speaking of problems, so when a problem comes along, 7-zip it. Let's talk about something completely unrelated to PMO, and we'll get more into the technical sides of things. Specifically, this is a SCCM, MEMCM tidbit, point of advice, uh, and overall file I.O., um, tip that I'd like to disclose because this caused me a lot of pain in the days of when I worked with SCCM and deployed large, heavy applications at scale to lots of machines and got very frustrated when they just kind of got backed up. I can explain this kind of in the form of analogies and mm. some creative ways of solving it via free and available software. Anyways, when you're deploying SCCM payloads, um, let's say, for example, let's say you're deploying Autodesk AutoCAD. That program's huge. The installer is huge. It's like 50k files of just tiny, like ranging between kilobytes to megabytes of individual configuration files, up to cabinet files or zip files, compressed files, executables, library files, all of this stuff. It's all part of the installation bundle for AutoCAD. You need to have this extracted in order to run silent installer scripts. But the thing that you often don't realize is when you're deploying this to SCCM, you have your application stored on the distribution point, and then that uh, content source is sent out via the bits transmission protocol to the local endpoints. And when they land on each endpoint, they are downloading this from the distribution point, so imagine you're d- distributing AutoCAD to a fleet of computers. Could be a room, a classroom, a bunch of staff machines, a computer lab. I don't know what you're deploying it to. Say you have to install the software, and it's like 50,000 files per machine. Multiply that by how many machines you are distributing the software to. And if you just think of sheer file I.O., we have the size of the Autodesk installer, which is 
Uh, if I remember, I think it's in the gigabytes in terms of size, maybe one to two or so, if I remember. I'm just doing this from memory. So you have that going against you, and you have 50k files going against you, multiplied by how many amount of systems. And you only have X amount of bandwidth pipe, even though it's locally distributed on your local network. Even a gig-rated network on CAT6 with all the appropriately spec switches with all the appropriate networking protocols that go with it, that's going to get saturated. It's kind of like you have a pipe and you're just putting so much stuff through, so much sewage through the pipe, and you only have so much bandwidth for that. The throughput is going to just get backed up. It's like cars on a highway. What can you do? Well, this is where the analogy starts to get kind of weird, but we'll roll with it. If you could take all those cars and stuff all those cars onto like a car carrier, like one of those crazy scary trucks that can hold like 15 cars and an SUV or two, and run that down the highway, you're suddenly saving a lot of space on your bandwidth, and the throughput gets a little bit easier. Where am I going with this? Take your all of the install files for your Autodesk installer and just compress it down to a 7-zip file and write a script that will be included such that this is now your distribution point content source and that gets distributed to all of the systems. So instead of one system getting 50,000 files, one system now gets maybe three files. They get one large 7-zip archive, or you can maybe split it up into like five or six if you don't feel comfortable just sending one out. It's still way less than 50K, and you have that download to the system, and then the application in SCCM is configured to run a script that then says, okay, the script will use a local file reference to the 7-zip archive containing the big quantities of files for the installer and extract it locally, which means this will not be performed on the network. It will be performed on the local endpoint instead, and then run the installer. Not only are you guaranteeing faster delivery, you're also kind of guaranteeing file integrity by putting it into archive files. And 7-zip is really well done. It's just a gold standard for compression and decompression of files. Oh, and needless to say, you'll need to have the 7-zip executable and DLL library included in your application for SCCM, where you can call upon an already installed instance of 7-zip if it's already on the endpoint, whichever way works for you. But this has been very, very successful for me in the past in terms of getting large, heavy SCCM applications deployed to systems at scale without having it get backed up and frustrating me, and then having me sit, sitting and run like process monitor on the system wondering what the holdup is. It's just a major, major win. Yeah. All you do is win, Steve. Win, win, All I win. All do is win. When a problem comes along, seven zip it. <laughs> I, <laughs> you always have the best titles for things, I have to say. I thought of that like maybe oh. five minutes before we went live too. I love it. So good. Yeah. So that's my little soapbox thingy on um, SCCM stuff. It's been a while since I've talked about SCCM and 
It's all these little it? things. Do you do you miss SCCM? I miss it a little bit. I'm sorry. It's not oh. SCCM. It's not SCCM anymore. It's MemCM. Microsoft. Oh, and... whatever. Mem 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 Freaking Microsoft SMS. <laughs> Microsoft SMS. Wait, then can we? Can I just go on my rant about Defender versus ATP? Like, which one is it? Because if we're going to oh, talk go. about mem, 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 that's all I have. Um, but oh, I'm going to let you talk about it. Docker. No, no, no. I, that's all I got. Because oh. it'll, okay. it'll just turn into my other rants, which then got really weird. You do have a valid point about whatever freaking ATP is called right now. Because it oh. was ATP, and now it's like Windows Defender for Endpoint or Defender for yeah. something. Yeah, because there's like this whole section now where it's like, uh, defender for identity. So of course now you're you just left the floor open for me to complain about this. And <laughs> so it's like defender for identity. But then when you go to uh, deploy the tool, it creates all the groups as um, Azure ATP. And I'm like, so what are you? I mean, like I personally have identity problems myself. So like I often don't know who I am day to day. But I was like, you're a Same. software program. Like you should know who you are. It's the same problem SCCM had. You know, if you go deep into the files, SCCM is still called SMS under the hood. And it's just annoying. And sometimes the acronyms and initialisms will merge or interact with other products that may be unrelated. And it becomes a mess. So that just makes me feel very insecure as a person. Um, now we're now we're just going to have like a quick therapy session while we're at it. Is that Yeah, we'll just get it all in here. If Microsoft doesn't know what their products are and they can't change them, how am I supposed to figure out who I am? Microsoft's mission statement is to empower other people to get things done. If Microsoft's own identity uh, crisis but they, can't they don't be resolved, even know. they don't even know who they are. How do they expect me to feel empowered to accomplish what I need to do? That's their mission statement. So I think they're failing in their mission statement if I can't feel empowered by their changes of names. In fact, what is their cloud offering called right now? Is it Microsoft 365 or Office 365? Because for a while they said it was called officially Microsoft 365, but like half their documentation is still Office 365. I Half the podcasts I listen to are still calling it Office 365. So what is it? I think it's called Moffice 365. Moffis. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Moffis. Like Moffis 365. Moffis 365. Moffis 365, please. Yes. Yeah, this just got really weird. I just, I told you I was going to get weird. That sounds like, sounds like a Jim Henson product, like Moffis. Um, have you heard of Microsoft SharePoint Santax, Sentex, something? I'm just curious. Wait, what is it? What What are you talking about? I, I might need to like verify this, what the actual name is, but it's like Microsoft SharePoint. Hold on. Let me just type real quick. Sentex. I'm going to let DuckDuckGo. Okay. SharePoint Sentex. That is the product name that was shot across my bow earlier today. And I've never heard of this product but apparently it's a thing in the Microsoft 365 suite of products. Something about content understanding and AI models. No, I need to look into that. I like I have been so far removed 
from yeah. tech, really. Like, I've just been in my own little bubble. Oh, but d- don't worry. I have not been removed from tech, and I no. have no idea what this freaking thing yeah. is. So I will have to look into it. Yeah, so check it out at some point. But the product page doesn't really seem to explain what it is or coherently tell me what it is. I just see the word content a thousand times and AI a thousand times. So it's like content, AI, compliance. And I'm like, okay, it's a it's a thing. They'll call it Microsoft SharePoint Thing 365 Online Manager. Interesting. A- is it Defender? ATP Defender SharePoint? SharePoint yeah. Defender P? Definitive, definitive, definitive Edition. Definitive featuring, Edition. Featuring Dante from Devil May Cry and oh Knuckles. I don't know. Something like that. Wait, Knuckles? Really? Really? Like, oh. and, and Solid Snake. Yeah. Why we're going to just add add stuff in there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was just curious if you knew what it was. I had literally never heard of this project until today. But yeah, SharePoint Syntax, which I thought it was SharePoint Syntax because Syntax is a real word in programming that I'm used to. Yeah. Syntax is something I've never freaking heard of. So. SharePoint Syntax? Yeah, syntex. S Y N T E X. It it's it's strange. That's weird. Because you said SharePoint, it made me it's like <laughs> the the five degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon. If you've never gone to that website, um I don't even know if it's real mm. anymore. But sure um now I just thought about teams yep. and one of the new features that I'm so excited about that I think about every day, and I'm not even kidding, is the ability to put a timer on my status. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just want to be available for an hour and I don't want to make a calendar mm-hmm. entry. I just want to be available. And yeah. now you can set a timer. You can set like a duration of time that you're in that status. And I think it's really important when you're working from home to be able to have that because sometimes I walk away and I'll be busy and someone will be like, are you there? And I'm like, no, I'm not there. there. So the accurate... <laughs> This is going to be the creepiest podcast ever. Uh, is this <laughs> anyway. anything new? <laughs> no. Uh, so I feel like you were going to say something. Um, yes, I was going to say Microsoft is kind of killing it with um, the updates to Teams and status updates lately because not only is it you can set yourself available or something for a duration, but you can also appear offline, which is nice. Uh, nice little status option that was... Um, I believe it was it in Skype for Business. I couldn't remember if it was. It, it was. It was. It was one of my favorites. Um, I like being invisible. It was in. I, uh, it's funny. I'm like, this was a status. You. It's a status in Steam. I know you can set it, yourself as offline in Steam. It, it's and still one. Be online. It, it's one also in Discord that I use very often, even though I only have one Discord mm-hmm. friend. So. <laughs> and it was an option in Pigeon, and I don't know if it was an AIM, but you could uh, appear offline via Pigeon if you had AIM attached to it back in the day as well. Oh, I remember that. But it's nice to have that in Teams. You could do it before via like crazy AD permission hacking and uh, registry uh, screwiness, but now it's nice to have it native. And the other new status, it's not new, it's more of a... Uh, bug f- it's not a bug fix it's a res- restoration of a missing feature from Skype for business and that is the out of office status that was not previously available directly in teams although it was assignable if you set yourself an out of office status in outlook via either a calendar event or through an out of office message but now you can set it directly in teams without having to resort to outlook for this Ew. 
So that's coming at some point. I don't know when, but it'll be here someday. It surely will. It yep. surely will. I need. I definitely need to look into what December's updates are. Yeah. I'm just going by random stuff I've read lately and just just sheer memory. I honestly don't know what I've been doing with my life because it's really a blur at this point in time. But uh, yeah. So we've just rambled for a real long time. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Should we do question of the week? Um, we could skip to that if you want. Yeah. I um, I can't read remember. Like I don't that's have right. glasses on. So. That's right. I forgot you lost your glasses. Well, no, I have my headphones on and they were squishing into my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, you I you know, know, you, you live that. Them or not. No, 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 they're right there. But like, you know how that goes. You wear headphones all day and they just like. Yes. After a while, your glasses just like start leaving welts into your face. That is accurate. Yes. As, as, as also a, an advanced <laughs> an advanced glasses user myself. Wait, is that a, is that this week's that is accurate? I'm an, ad, we are advanced glasses users. <laughs> That is accurate. We both have, we both have terrible eyes. <laughs> yeah, because I can't see the screen at all right now. If it's greater than six inches from my face, I can't see it. Same. Well, yeah, it's just like blurry. It's just uh, if I had like firecrackers being waved in front of my eyes repeatedly. Yeah. Okay, then in that case, um, sure we can we can uh, do we can cut down to the question of the week. Um, and uh, so our question of the week this week is, of course, we, we, we hinted at this at the beginning of the podcast. What is the dumbest possible company acquisition you can possibly think of? And Yammer? We oh, not Yammer. With, sorry. OnlyFans. We came up with Microsoft buys <laughs> OnlyFans for $3.5 billion and then merges it with Yammer to become Only Yams. We laughed about this for probably 10 minutes. We laughed. We, we, we laughed. You should also we, laugh. We cackled. Not even laughed. We cackled. Because Microsoft did attempt to buy TikTok, but why not just buy the thing that a bunch of TikTok people end up going to anyway? Right. That's what they all link in their TikToks anyhow. Yeah. So why not just do that and then use a product that nobody uses, Yammer, and just uh, inject some uh, social media goodness into it via the things that the youths use right. and uh, monetize. And why not give it a nice little coat of paint, but not completely forget the past. We love our dear Yammer. Right. And we loved posting our yams to Yammer. I know I remember logging into Yammer maybe once in 2013 and then looking around and finding nothing and then logging out. But I did post a yam that nobody read. But so- why not make only yams? So Steve Googled, or he uh, did DuckDuckGo for only yams. And Steve, what what came up in the search? Wait, what, um, it wasn't only yams. No, sorry, I'm mixing up topics. I was going to say, I, I have not searched That was yet. different. No, no, don't search it. Don't search it. Don't do it. I, I did and don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not the worst results I've seen, but... Don't you, you only uh, yammed. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the name has been thought of we'll just um we'll leave it at that i guess okay this um thank you very much for listening to hope this helps <laughs> thanks for listening to hope this helps oh podcast. god so um, yeah things just uh, got weird 
If Microsoft buys OnlyFans, I want royalties for the idea. For only yams. We would. We would love we would love credit for the business decision. What about only hams? I would like only hams. That also sounds interesting. I was like, what would they buy that would merge that? Uh well then you could have the meat now button M E A T. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If Microsoft acquired a meat packing company, we could change the meat now to M E A T now. And then and only have you go to only synergy. hams. Only hams. Sorry, we we have Christmas so on the brain. We're yeah. just we, like I said. We didn't podcast for a month while we were out. While we were out not podcasting, we were just eating a bunch of food. And if we're now we're looking forward to more food, which turkey was November, ham is December, of course. So, so I'm going to shamelessly promote um, a session I'm doing with Adam Fowler, uh, number oh, one yes. fan. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, December 8th, 4 p.m. Australian time. I don't actually know time zones, but I know I'm going to have to be awake super early. And we're going to talk about how to keep up with Microsoft. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, So So, yeah, everyone check that out. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Very cool opportunity. And again, shamelessly self-promotion here. And yeah, that's all I've got. I'm going to say a lot more in the next five minutes if Steve does not take over. Sure. Um, So yes, that's what Tiff's up to. Tiff will be teaming up with Adam Fowler to do a session on Microsoft stuff. Um, What do I got going on? I'm just kind of posting stuff on Twitter. I don't have much of an aim. I am posting my other podcast which is not necessarily tech related although it ends up usually being tech related called things learned i've listened to it's actually pretty good and very nostalgic it is quite nostalgic it is a podcast about things i learned almost exactly a decade ago and the way i'm releasing the episodes they are released a decade ago to the day that's pretty cool it's pretty darn good. I'm talking a lot about Mac OS Server right now and XAN and my experiences with that and just how buggy and crappy my uh, Mac OS Server kind of really was, especially when looking back in hindsight. That's been a fun experience. So that's what I'm up to right now. The episodes I've recorded are actually far, far ahead of what's actually out right now. I have the episodes scheduled to release weekly every Saturday and then come January of 2021 it will start releasing on Sunday and starting uh, I think in mid-December the episodes will be a standard length of 30 minutes the earlier ones have been a little shorter because I was still trying to figure out the format and everything that's happening that's the things are in podcast that's what I'm working on I'm not doing any conferences or anything I always think of things I could try to do but I just don't really necessarily have the time or the bandwidth to do that at the moment i uh just agree to things admittably and then forgot that forget that i sign up for them until they're like hey tiff are you gonna do this thing and i'm just like oh yeah right um so yeah i can do things it's just my calendar gets filled fast that's the problem there's only so many hours he's lying he doesn't have anything in his calendar no i'm just doing nothing (laughs) he's doing nothing absolutely Um, yeah He's um, absolutely telling the truth there. So yes. yeah, listen to Steve's podcast. Come hang out with Adam Fowler, IT, and myself and a few other cool cool cats and kittens from Australia, from the land down under. Yes, yeah, so we are, you know, we're in the usual podcast places. 
can rate podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever. Do that if you would like to rate us or support the show or whatever in whatever way. Hope this helps as a completely not funded by anything podcast. It is produced by the two of us and we just post it whenever. If you would like to reach us, we're on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get to us. And um, you can send us a yam. You can follow us on OnlyFans or follow us on Only Yams. But Twitter is really the primary place for us, for the most part. Aside from that, uh, am I missing anything else? I'm forgetting about all the other extracurriculars. But no, I think we cover the bases. you are kicking butt. But and our website, HGH. Um, wow, I cannot. What is our website? HGHPC.com. <laughs> It's super easy. That's hthpc.com. Which it I broke. recently works again. Yes. It actually works better than before. Tiff broke the Dinas off of hthpc.com I totally recently. did. I don't know what happened. I was manic yesterday. And I, I, I don't know. Like I, for some reason, just deleted the entries, <laughs> the A records. What 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 you did was you just deleted the GitHub user pages A yes. records out of the DNS provider. So and it I wasn't hard rem- to fix. No no no, but like I panic, like I got into such like a panic mindset that like I could not fix it to save my life. And luckily, Steve was just like chill out and helped me. Like, yep. Because I was like, oh no, I broke the website. <laughs> no, it was fine. And then when you so. fixed it, you actually fixed a problem before where it wasn't reachable via www.htshtpc.com. And now right. it does work like that. Right. Which made me wonder like which GitHub, like where I got those GitHub IPs. And I wonder if maybe they were old, older ones. It's possible that changed. Yeah. Because everywhere I looked, because I tried to find the one that you told me and I was like, I couldn't find that anywhere. And every article I said was, no, they just have like four load balancer IPs that you just pointed at. And then it, if you put your C name into your GitHub repo, it will use that as the pointer to reference back to right. your hosting provider. So this is what happens when I insomnia set things up. Because like I just set them up and like I'm this manic genius and then like I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like, what did I just do? You could say that it was kind of like how like a startup just just builds it all up really fast and gets yeah. it working, gets it wonderful. And then like a year down the road, it's like, okay, now we have to change something. And then you like pull out one little pin and the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, that is like, luckily you, it was just the A record. I think you need some project management. Shh. Shut up. Shut up. I'm get, I'm getting I'm getting sassy. It's time to end you're the getting podcast, feisty. I think. All right. Yeah. Okay, anyways, I'm, gonna, I'm hanging up on you now. Yep, we're gonna hang up. Okay. Anyways, yep. So till next time, folks. We promise we'll record uh, sooner at the next time, or we'll no. Nah, actually, we promise nothing. We'll we'll see you soon. We hope this helps.